Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome aboard, Eagles fans, to Episode 5 of the No Huddle Show right here on NJ.com. Our Eagles podcast as we take you uh, inside the Eagles and talk about a team that is generating a lot of interest and a lot of hype here in the NFL preseason as we roll from the third game against the Packers into this week coming up here with the final installment of the preseason. Then the regular season will be upon us. A lot of excitement around the Eagles, and we're here to talk about it. You can subscribe to us on iTunes and on Stitcher, and, of course, follow us on Twitter at Elliot Shore Parks, at Mark Eckel, at Joe Gilio Sports. Uh, Elliot, welcome aboard here, and uh, welcome back from Green Bay. That was quite a first quarter. Nothing like uh, beautiful Wisconsin this time of year. So it was a uh, it was a good time. That's what I hear. Mark, welcome aboard, and uh, it was that was quite a start for the Eagles on Saturday night, and, and a lot of a lot of people are excited after what they saw. And they well should be. I mean, I know it's preseason, but if you're a fan, you you should be you should get excited when your team plays well. And this is episode five, Joe. This is five. Yep. You know, five will always love you. <laughs> that's the that maybe that's the title of this episode. Five. I will always love you. And the guy and the quarterback right now for the Eagles, he's not number five, but uh, he looked pretty darn good on Saturday night. Elliot, uh, you know, we've talked a lot about Sam Bradford and, and yeah. what he can be and if he stay healthy and all that kind of stuff. But that first quarter, those ten passes, I mean, you can't leave the field with a better impression than Sam Bradford left Eagles fans in Green Bay. Yeah, I mean, uh, this was my this was my time and the Eagles' first time back at Green Bay since last year when they got smoked 53 to 20 by the Packers and was kind of the beginning of the end of their season. So it was such an interesting, uh, you know, juxtaposition from uh, from last year. I mean, Bradford's out there. Obviously, last year they had Sanchez, and you couldn't help but notice just how much better this team looked from top to bottom. And we can talk about the defense a little later. Obviously, them not playing Rodgers has something to do with that, but. I think, you know, Saturday was the first time for anybody who hadn't seen why he got Bradford, and I was one of those people. I've certainly expressed my skepticism about the move, but Saturday was the first time where you, you kind of saw it, you know, the quick release. the ama- I mean, really, the only way to describe how he was on Saturday was amazing accuracy. Now, he's only a 58% career completion percentage, so his accuracy isn't something that's always been there, but at least Saturday, I mean, 10 out of 10, the, the pass to Sproles for the touchdown. Um, Sproles described it as money afterwards. The pass to Jordan Matthews across the field, I think, was 27 yards. So he was putting the ball right on the money where literally only only his receiver can catch it. And really what it showed was, and this is kind of what the debate was all off season is, if this team gets a quarterback and Chip gets his quarterback, they're going to be really, really good. Now the, the debate offseason was, you know, are they going to get Mariota or who was it? And if Bradford plays like he did on Saturday, they don't need Mariota because he was, I mean, he was absolutely lights out. 
He was. And the 10 for 10, you mentioned the pass to Sproles there uh, in the corner of the end zone, the first touchdown. He had one later in the back of the end zone. And then the one to Trey Burton where, you know, he takes a hit, which would impress yeah. me because he took a hit and still delivered a strike. Uh, Mark, your impression of that performance by Sam Bradford, I mean, the numbers speak for themselves, but then I think it was just even more impressive, even if you just take the numbers out, just watching it. Well, yeah, he was great. But I, I, what I take from all this and taking nothing away from, from Sam Bradford, who is a very good NFL. I mean, he went, you know, he wasn't the number one pick of the 2010 draft based off, you know, picking that out of a hat. I mean, he, he was a good player before the knee injuries began. And, and that's, and the only reason he was available is because of the knee injuries. The Rams got tired of him being hurt all the time. So they, they decided to go in a different way and they, and they have Nick Foles now, but this is Chip Kelly. Let's, let's be honest. Elliot mentioned that Bradford was a 58% passer before this, before he came to the Eagles. Well, every quarterback that Chip Kelly's had, Mike Vick, Nick Foles, um, Mark Sanchez last year, has played better, and his, and his numbers, his completion percentage, his quarterback rating, every one of their numbers have gotten better under Chip Kelly in this offense. If you're a decent quarterback, you will look good. If you're a good quarterback, you'll look like Sam Bradford did Saturday night. This offense, there's guys open every play. Look at it. There is, there's never a play there where somewhere where everybody's covered. So it's up to you to be able to find that guy. And if you're a good decision maker, which Bradford always has been, that's been one of his strengths from Oklahoma to the Rams, he's going to look very good because this offense is designed. It's, it's, it's a great, it's a wonderfully designed offense. And it really is. It really is, Mark. I love the way you put it. There. A good quarterback, like I said, a, a, a decent quarterback will look good. And that's what, let's be honest, Nick Foles was a decent quarterback. He looked good at times. But when he didn't look good was when he made bad decisions or held the ball too long or didn't get rid of it quick and didn't, didn't do what, the, what a Chip Kelly quarterback is supposed to do. But I have to ask Elliott one thing since I heard him, I think I heard him say they didn't need, they don't need Mariota. He said it. I heard it. I'm, I'm a witness right here. Would you trade Mariota for Bradford straight up right, right now? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We have to make sure we run. I, I want to make sure you weren't. Uh, you let's were not get crazy here, guys. Yeah, let's not go over the top. I mean, you know, I probably, I had to throw it out there. Yeah. Mark but, was saying there, and I think it's a really. I like the way Mark put it. That if you're just you know a competent or a good quarterback, you'll go to the next level, and that's just what this offense is. So you know, based on what Bradford is, we know he had the talent come out of Oklahoma. We know this offense produces bigger numbers than maybe you really are as a quarterback. I would argue that Sam Bradford, because Michael Vick, he was here towards the later stage of his career, this is the most talented quarterback that Chip Kelly's had in the NFL. So, I mean, what are the expectations now? I mean, realistically, what could he do in this offense, Elliot, if he stays healthy? Obviously, I have to put that caveat on it. But if he plays all 16 games in this offense with the talent we see Bradford has in his arm, I mean, what's the ceiling here for this guy? For him or the team, I mean, for him, you're talking – he, what, three touchdowns and ten passes last yeah. night against one of the better teams in the NFC, not one of the better defenses, but one of the better teams. So, I mean, if he plays 16 games, I don't know, 35 touchdowns, uh, you know, 3,000 yards, I mean, he's going to put up really good numbers. Now, the thing I'll say is, you know, and not to be a Debbie Downer, is Bradford has looked good for stretches in his NFL career. He's never done it. He's never looked good, certainly as good. I mean, He'll never play as well as he did on Saturday again. I mean, that was just unreal. But he's never been able to do it for 16 games. So my my hesitation with Bradford and why I think, you know, maybe predicting this team to, you know, go 12-4, and 13-3 and three is he's never done it before. And so 
it, it'll be the first if he goes through all next season and he plays at an MVP level and they win a playoff game or two. I mean, that'll be the first time he's ever done it. So expecting him. I mean, you mentioned what are you know what should we expect from him? You know, and I, I'm not so sure you want to put the expectations that high yet off of off of that one game. But what you saw was is that if he can you know remain healthy, if he can you know kind of do what he ha- really hasn't done in his career, which is be consistently good. Obviously, the sky is the limit for this team, um, just because of all the talent he has around him. Yeah, and it feels like Vegas is telling us that. Uh, you know, you look at the Super Bowl odds, which always kind of fluctuate, and they are where they are out in Vegas. But to an extent, they kind of mirror what people are thinking about the team. And the Eagles have jumped from twenty to one to basically nine to one during the preseason. They're, they're the fourth best odds to get to the Super Bowl. They've passed the Cowboys and the Ravens right now. Uh, in the eyes of people that set these lines. I mean, Mark, in terms of expectations for the Eagles, have they changed for you in the preseason, or does preseason not do that for you? I've been around too long, Joe, to preseason. Preseason doesn't do anything for me. It's it's not what they do. Well, here's what preseason does for me. Yeah, I like the Eagles better because Jordy Nelson got hurt, if you know what I'm saying. Green Bay. the other teams have had issues. One of the teams that I thought was better than the Eagles was the Green Bay Packers. Now, without Jordy Nelson, the the Eagles are a little closer to to the Green Bay Packers now. Have they passed them? I'm not going to go based off what I saw Saturday night, but, uh, yeah, they're closer. The Eagles haven't haven't had a major injury. Um, I thought they were better. I thought when the day DeMarco Murray signed with the Eagles, I wrote that the Eagles are now better than the Cowboys. So I I always thought they were better than the Cowboys. Um, You know, but getting back to to Bradford just for a second, I – he is, he's going to put up good stats. His stats, are, if, if you play fantasy stuff, which I don't, take Sam Bradford because he's going to put up crazy numbers. But what I want to see, and this is what we, and I've, we've never seen this from Sam Bradford, not partly because of the team he was on. I want to see the Eagles are losing 28-24 with 225 on the clock, and he gets the ball to 20-yard line. Is he taking him down for, for the winning score? Uh-huh. That's, to me, that's, that's what makes great quarterbacks. You know, um, you know, is he going to? You know, the Eagles are playing the. I guess they played the Giants the last game of the year. If they have to win that to make to win the division, is he going to win that game? He was in that situation his rookie year and lost to Seattle. Not that he. I mean, the Rams lost to Seattle. I shouldn't say he he lost, but you know that to me that's what makes a great quarterback. That's what separates the guys that put up big numbers to the guys that that go on and win and win Super Bowls. Taking a team to a, a winning drive late in the game. And winning and winning important big games, and that's and that's kind of what I was trying to touch on previously was in terms of never having seen him done it, and to tie into the Super Bowl odds. I mean, my expectations. I, I haven't been covering the NFL as long as Mark has, so my yeah, expectations have covered the NFL, Elliot. <laughs> yeah, I've been living. Yeah, exactly. We're more. Yeah, so, how many of your parents met each other yet when I start covering? <laughs> yeah, he's seen a few more preseason games than I have, but um. My expectations have changed for this team. I mean, I, I, I still think – I don't think they're better than the Packers or the Seahawks yet. I still – I don't think. But going into the in tra- into training camp and into uh, the preseason, I thought they were the third-best team in the NFC. Yeah. And although I still think they are the third-best team in the NFC, my expectations have changed in the way where I think they could compete in a game with Green Bay and Seattle. I'm not sure they're ready to win that game. And part of the reason is, really, Bradford – you know, I think they can get to that game because of Bradford, but I don't think they can win it yet because of Bradford. <coughs> Just because, like, like Mark, Mark said, you know, it's one thing to go 10 for 10 in the preseason when it doesn't matter. I want to see Bradford, you know, in Green Bay in December, 
you know, when the team needs a win, and not even down at the 20 with driving the field, I just want to see how he'll compete in a must-win NFL game. Because he's only had one before, and he lost it. And, you know, he was a rookie, whatever. But I want to see what he can do when this, when it really matters. And that's that's where, to me, you know, uh, that's where, to me, quarterbacks are made. So you talk about the increased Super Bowl odds. They're right around where I thought they would always be. They were, you know, third in the NFC. And, I get, you know, I don't know compared to the AFC. But to me, it's, you know, Bradford, Bradford still has to show me something. He still has to show me he can do it in big spots. Who are the teams with the better odds, Joe? I don't have that. Uh, they were, the, I believe, the Seahawks, the Packers, uh, the Colts. New England still? Or no? Is New, New, England, England, no? New England, yeah. I think it was New England. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. I have no problem with that. I mean, that's where I, I see. My expectations haven't risen because they were pretty high coming in. I, I'm, the, I'm the one guy that liked all the moves Eagles made this year. <laughs> so I, I was, you know, I, like I said, what the biggest thing to me is, Looking at other teams and not seeing some, not like I don't. I, I Dallas. I I think that's taking a step backwards. Arizona, I think, takes a step backwards. Detroit takes two step back. You know, the teams that were better than them last year. I don't, I'm not sure any of them got better. And you know, I'll, a lot of them got got worse. I'll say one thing that has changed my opinion on this team, maybe even more than Bradford's play, has been Walter Thurman at safety. I and mean, I know it's only three games, but I was really concerned about that third safety. I mean, not the third safety spot. About that, uh, the other starting safety opposite Malcolm, Jen- um, opposite Malcolm Jenkins, and Thurman's looked really good. I mean, he's making plays. Obviously, he has two interceptions, and if he can actually turn into not even a huge playmaker, but just a competent safety that you know makes plays when they're there, this Eagles defense is going to be elite because their front seven is already very good. Byron Maxwell has played well, and you know Nolan Carroll is what he is—a solid number two starter. So. To me, that is almost a bigger development than Bradford just because the offense is going to score points, whether you know Sanchez is in there or whatever. They're going to score points. It's all about the defense, and you know, uh, Walter Thurman looking good has been, has been huge for this team. He's looked great. And just to clarify the Super Bowl odds, so they're fourth. They are behind only the Seahawks, the Packers, and the Colts. They're ahead of the Patriots and Cowboys now uh, for whatever it's worth. So the Eagles are fourth in the wow. Super Bowl. But to That's your point, Patriots. Yes. That's, that's interesting. It is. I mean, it, it just happened uh, Monday morning. The odds shifted. So, I mean, I don't know if you know Vegas, how much Vegas takes into account the preseason, but I guess 86 to 17 outscoring your opponents in the first half, I guess that that's helps a little bit. Money. That's what it's – from what I know of Vegas and, um, and betting, not that, I'm a, not that I bet, but um, <laughs> the odds are by – if money – you know, if, if you set odds at whatever, if 20 to 1 and then a bunch of money comes in on, on that team, well, that lowers the odds. So – Obviously, there are people betting the Eagles. I think so, and I, I can yeah, see why. Money, I mean, if you just, money lowers the odds. Yeah, if you're just a fan and you're just kind of casually watching the preseason and seeing Somebody what teams are popping. This is what happened. Somebody dropped a lot of money on the Eagles after Saturday night. Somebody in Vegas, somebody went and put 10000 or something or, or more on the Eagles to win the Super Bowl. So and, someone's and, all in on Sam Bradford. Maybe, maybe, maybe it was Jeffrey Lurie. Might be. I was, I was thinking more Floyd, Floyd, Floyd Mayweather because he seems to bet a lot, but I don't know. Maybe it was Jeffrey Lurie. <laughs> Lurie are, I think Jeffrey Lurie has already bet on the Eagles in, in, in other ways. Not yeah. He has. He bet a lot on them, uh, and we're going to see uh, how his team plays out this year. Let's talk about the defense a little bit, and then we'll kind of go through the roster here. As we have basically, I saw you tweeted, Elliot, on Saturday night after the game. The preseason is basically over. Uh, they'll have the fourth game. They'll wrap it up against the Jets, and then we, we will get to, you know, the week of the first game, which will be 
uh, in a couple weeks, Monday Night Football against the Falcons. But the preseason, for all intents and purposes, is over. We'll get to the roster and some questions about it in just a couple minutes. But to the defense for just a minute or two on what we saw in the third preseason game. Elliot, you mentioned Walter Thurman and, and the upgrade there. And, I mean, look, they could have upgraded almost anyone was going to be better than Nate Allen. But it, it really Walter Thurman. They keep saying he has a nose for the football. He's always around it. But two games in a row, he really does. Yeah, and I mean that's huge for them. I mean, I'll, I'll look over that shot you took in Nate Allen because he was he was a little better than people give him credit for. I mean, he he had two interceptions last night. But I mean, or a, a Sunday night for he's that. earning that check for the Raiders. Yeah, exactly, earning that check. But I mean, uh, overall for for the uh, preseason, I think the defense has looked better than I thought. They absolutely dominated the Ravens. You know, they had to pick six against the Packers. So overall, I think you walk into Week One in Atlanta feeling encouraged about the defense. Kiko Alonso is still a question mark, but you could also make the argument that they've been this good without who might be their without the guy that might be their best player on defense. So tons of reasons to be encouraged. Now, if you talk about just their performance against the Packers, there was a little bit of concern there because Brett Hundley's a guy who, you know, I think he has some potential, but he is, you know, he went in the fifth round or whatever it was for a reason. So he made he played very well. I think his quarterback rating was like a hundred, over a hundred against the Eagles. Now Part of the reason is that this team has serious depth issues in the secondary, and you saw that in the second half. Now, that's not going to matter in Atlanta, but where it matters is if someone gets hurt. I mean, that third safety spot is an absolute mess. I mean, I don't know who they would put in there. Eric Rowe, who's going who's gonna to go on the outside when they go into nickel, he's gonna, he got burned very badly. Um, EJ Biggers had a really bad game. Ed Reynolds has fallen off. So just against the Packers, you know, there was some concerns, but overall I think the defense has looked good. I tend to, I agree with you, Elliot, but I disagree with that. It's not going to matter because now when team, if, if I'm an off, if I'm the Atlanta Falcons, and I'm um, Quinn and, and and his staff, and I'm getting ready for the Eagles, I'm lining up. I'm going four wide at you all all day. I'm not even. I'm not even. I'm not even going to try to run the ball because I'm not going to because their run defense is so is so good. I'm only going to run on third and one maybe. I'm gonna I'm gonna spread you out. I want you. I want those fifth and sixth defensive backs on the field at all yeah. times. I don't want. I don't need. I don't. I don't need to, to run run my guy into Fletcher Cox or uh, uh, said said Thornton or, or Benny Logan. No, I want. I want spread out. I want Eric Rowe on the field. I want EJ Biggers on the field. I want whatever whoever else is on the bench that's going to come in. I know your first four are pretty good. I want your five and six out there. And guess who I'm throwing at all day? Five, Eric Rowe and EJ Biggers and whoever Jalen Watkins and name your pick your other guy until they prove that they can that they can cover a guy. There, I'm coming at him, and I'm coming at him, and I'm coming at him. And I'm going to look like Sam Bradford going 10 for 10. <laughs> okay, I changed my mind. The secondary is an issue with the depth. No, I'm saying when the team starts game, it's going to happen, right? I mean, unless you're yeah, still you're right. No, you're, you're right. You're right. And this is, what, this is what happened last year when they played good quarterbacks. I mean, this, you know, this is why they invested all that money in the secondary. But, you know, Ja'Cory Shepard going down, who, you know, I think people are making a little much of him. But, I mean, that going down, him going down obviously didn't help. And the Boykin trade. I mean, you know, Boykin fell off last year a little bit, but I think still think it was decent return. But with how these backups are playing after a month, you have to wonder. You have to look at the trade a little differently, especially if, as Mark says, this, you know, the five and six uh, defensive back. They, they might improve. I'm not. I'm, I'm not saying that Eric Rowe is not going to become a good player. But right now, if I'm if I'm Matt Ryan, opening night Monday night in the Georgia Dome, I'm lining three and four wide receivers out. You know, out wide. And I'm I'm not going to throw it Byron Maxwell. I'm going to throw it Eric Rowe until he shows me that he's going to, that he's going to, he's going to break up a pass or, or you know, 
cover my guy, I'm, but that's who I'm going. I'm, I'm going. And I don't mean to pick on Roe, but that's, you know, whether, whether it's him or whoever else is out there, those guys have not had a good preseason. Well, the Packers certainly picked on Roe, so you wouldn't be the first to, uh, to do that. Right. Well, he was the only one out there at that point. They weren't, and, and they didn't game plan. They were just playing their guys. And, and, and that was with backups. Yeah. Now, they're going to see two good quarterbacks, right, the first couple of weeks, Matt Ryan and then Tony Romo, that will probably do exactly what you guys are saying. I mean, where is the concern level for you with Roe long-term here? Is this just growing pains for a kid that has a lot of talent? Or, I mean, you guys have seen him basically every day and, and all three preseason games leading into the Jets game. Uh, you think Roe's going to figure this out? Time is what he needs. Reps is what he needs. Game action is what he needs. Or are we a little bit concerned that maybe he's just not going to be ready this year? Elliot? Well, if you would have asked me this two weeks ago, I probably would have given you a different answer because I do think he had a good start to training camp. And what impressed me about Rowe was, especially against the Ravens in practice, he was always around the ball. I mean, he wasn't always making a play, but you know, sometimes he was making a play, but he didn't, he didn't look lost. And then he had the recovery uh, and the strip um, fumble against the Colts, I think it was. So he's made some plays. But now that I've watched him for three preseason games and all of training camp, I'm starting to question if he's fast enough to play on the outside as a cornerback. I mean, and Mark, Mark will touch on this, I'm sure, um, you know, next. But if you don't have that elite speed on the outside, that, I mean, that, that's a problem. I mean, Nolan Carroll, if you ask Eagles, some Eagles players say he's the fastest player on the team. I don't, I don't agree with that. But, I mean, he has, he's speed. Byron Maxwell is who he is. Eric Rowe is not an elite athlete. Yeah, um, I think, I mean – when I was doing all my pre-draft stuff, the guys I talked to, the scouts and general managers that I spoke with prior to the draft, and it wasn't all 32, obviously, but it was four good ones, they all had him as a safety, every one of them. And I went back to them after the Eagles, Eagles drafted him or after the Eagles said that they're, that they're going to make him a corner. I asked all four of my guys again, or I texted them and said, hey, you know, they're playing Eric Rowe at corner. And all four, again, this is just four out of 32, but – all four of them said, "Really, corner? Huh? We we didn't even look at him as a corner." And they all liked him as a safety. They they all thought he was like the third or fourth best. Maybe I mean, yeah, they're about probably second, third, fourth, in, in that top, you know, tier of, of of safeties. They they liked you know they but they did not see him as a corner. And a lot of that is like Elliot touched on in safety. You you don't have to be as fast as a as a corner. Um, they didn't think he had the man to man cover skills that you want at, at corner. They, they thought he's a good center fielder, you know, put him back there. He'll make plays for you if, he, if everything stays in front of him. And, and if you notice the plays he has made this year, it, it has been kind of like and – he's, and he's a good hitter. He, he, he'll, he'll tackle. Um, I, just, I, I still think he's a safety that they're trying to force him in, into a corner role. And maybe that's what they'll do. Maybe in, when they go nickel, they'll put Thurman – at the at at corner and let Rowe play deep, but uh, but if they're going to do that, they better start practicing it soon. <laughs> yeah, you would think so. I mean, we're not we're not far away from Matt Ryan, you know, throwing real real footballs at them, and you know, the real receivers running for uh, plays that matter. So we'll find out about all that, and then obviously it'll be a big talking point uh, in a couple weeks, Monday Night Football against the Falcons. All right, before we go through the roster and kind of set up what it's going to look like here when they cut it down to fifty three and and really what it's going to be on that opening night, Monday Night Football in Atlanta. One last question off of what we've seen so far. There were a couple of kind of weird injury news that came out Saturday night. We did not see Kiko Alonso. He had a little bit of a leg issue. Chip said not related to his ACL. I'm not related, obviously, to the concussion that he suffered here in training camp. Uh, and we also didn't see Cody Parkey, 
who's dealing with a little bit of a groin. He dealt with that last year, too. And Lane Johnson left the game. That one seems minor. But of the injuries that we found out about this past weekend, which one concerns you the most, Mark? Cody Parkey. I, I know they're saying it's no big deal, but a kicker with a groin injury, is a, to me, is a big deal. If, if he had a shoulder injury, I wouldn't care. He's a kicker. He don't need a shoulder. Kick the ball and get off the field. A, a groin, I mean, I, again, I, I like to use the fact that I've, you know, I've, seen these, I've seen a lot of injuries through the years. Hamstrings and groins are those nagging things that don't tend to go away overnight. They, they linger. They, you know, they can become problems. If you, they, they, guys re-aggravate them sometimes when they, when they try to come back too, too soon. So, like, there's no way Parky kicks Thursday night. I, would, I mean, that, that would be just plain stupidity to, to put him out there in that fourth preseason. So, give him some rest. May, hopefully, you know, he has by, by next or whatever it is, September 14th, he's fine. But a kicker with a groin, I mean, I, that's a, you know, that, that's, that's not a, I, I, of all the possible injuries, that's the one I don't want a kicker to have. And to correct me. me if I'm wrong, Elliot, didn't he have a groin issue last year down the stretch of the season and he missed those kicks in Washington? Was it not a groin that he was had a little uh, issue with last year as well? Yeah, and I mean, he said at the end of the season that he was just uh, more fatigued, but yeah, he did deal with an injury at the end of last season. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's a concern because the kicker is one, one position you can't hide either. I mean, you know, the kick, the extra points are longer this year. Um, we all know, know how many close games the Eagles had at the beginning of last year. I mean, the kicker is a position you can't hide. But, you know, when you talk about the injuries that I'm concerned about, it's actually the one you said was minor. Was minor, And to me, that's the MCL sprain of Lane Johnson. And the reason I'm concerned about that is because, one, that's an injury that could potentially turn serious if he doesn't rehab that correctly. And he says he's going to play in week one, and I, I think he will. But, two, the Eagles' offensive line depth is an absolute disaster. We've seen that through all the preseason, but it's especially a disaster at tackle. So if Lane Johnson misses even two games, I mean, they got real problems. So I, I, that's an injury I'm the most concerned about because long-term, you, you know, you need your offensive tackles, especially with Bradford. I mean, we saw when he can sit back there, he can be dangerous, but he's not going to be sitting back there untouched if Lane Johnson's on the bench. No, he won't be. And, you know, the guy that backed him up last year, uh, he's now starting at left guard. So that, that, like you said, it changed the equation, and it changes what the Eagles have there if, if they do miss Lane Johnson. All right, let's – Go through the roster a little bit here. We'll go position by position, position groups here, uh, as we get close and, and to see what this 53-man roster might look like. Are right, we've gone, what, we're about 20 minutes into this podcast, we haven't mentioned Tim Tebow, so let's do quarterbacks first here. It's about time. It is about time. I knew, I knew we'd get to him today. All right, the quarterback situation. We know Bradford. We know Sanchez. Uh, we've gotten away a little bit the last couple weeks from the third quarterback battle. It hasn't been as exciting. But we're going to have to find out sooner than later. Barkley or Tebow, Elliot, based on what we've seen, based on what you know, based on the two-point conversion try Saturday, uh, how do you handicap this thing as we get close to 53-man roster time? I mean, how can it not be Barkley, right? I mean, what do you have, 29 yards on five completions against the Packers? I mean, he's basically he's unstoppable at this point, right? He's the I man mean, right now, right? He just looks so good. I don't know how Chip gets rid of him unless he gets a first-round offer. So, no, I mean, it's it's going to be Tebow. And, then, and to me, the, sat, the, the thing on Saturday that showed that was the two-point conversions. Even though he failed, I mean, at, at, the two, at the two attempts, that's obviously showing that's something Chip's interested in. It's something he wanted to try. I mean, that's the dress rehearsal game. That's the game where you try what you're going to try in the regular season. And we all know he's not going to put Barkley out there. So Tebow's going to make this roster. I mean, you, you know, I talked to different players in the locker room, and I haven't talked to one who even thinks it's, it's a contest. So, I mean, Tebow, I think, is the, is the third guy, and I'm sure Mark will agree. Uh, yeah. 
that's, that's all I'll say. Yeah. <laughs> what I'll say about the two-point conversions, I think Chip was showing something that he's never going to do. Not that he'll not that he'll never go for two, but he's not going to have Tebow barrel into the middle of the line for a two. He's not going to have Tebow drop back and throw for a two. But he put it on tape now for, for other teams to see. Oh, this is what they're going to do. No, they're not. If they go for two and Tebow's out there, it's going to be a, a fake hand. It's going to be a bootleg. Those two plays were the most non-Tim Tebow. Like other, I mean, him running maybe, but not running like that. And not and not drop back, boom, quick throw. That, no, they were the most un-Tim Tebow-like plays I've, I've ever seen. If you know, But he put them out there. And I think he, and he knows people, the other teams watch your third preseason game more than any other. So this is what he and some teams might have got scared watching the, the, the offense in the first half. But I, I I think Chip and again he's always thinking outside the box. He's always two steps ahead of everybody else. Yeah, I, I don't I'm I'm not as concerned about Tebow not converting those two point conversions as all the uh, skeptics are. To the running back group, guys, what stood out to me not only are they deep, obviously, with the three big names with Sproles, with Murray, with Matthews, now Barner in the mix as well as as a potential fourth guy. But the one thing I noticed the last game and really the whole preseason is how much they're throwing to the backs out of the backfield. Six catches for the three guys uh, on Saturday night. I mean, do you think that's going to be a theme here, Elliot, of the season, regardless of which back is out there more involved in the passing game than maybe last year? Yeah, and I think that's why they're going to keep Kenyon Barner. Because you look at their three running backs. I mean, this team is going to be built around the running backs. On that first drive, I'd have to double-check, but I think only running backs in Sam Bradford touched the ball on that first drive where they went down the field. So, I mean, they're going to use the three backs a ton. And part of that game plan is one of those gets hurt, you, one of the running backs get hurt, gets hurt, you need someone that can step in and take over. So that's why I think Kenyon Barnum makes it, that in his strong special team play. So I think they're going to keep four running backs, uh, um, you know, under 53. Yeah, we, we agree again. I, I, and I, you're, we're leaving out a guy that they really, really like is a Moster kid from per- – Purdue, who has just amazing speed, and we've, yeah. seen, and we've seen glimpses of it during preseason. I, I think going into camp, I think he was ahead of Barner. I really do, in their mind. I think they wanted to keep him, but Barner's just been too good in preseason. If I wrote, when I did my 53-man this morning for this morning, that if Barner doesn't make the team, then, Pre- then they, the preseason means absolutely nothing. It doesn't matter what you do in preseason because the kid couldn't have done any more. He's been he's been the MVP of preseason, and it's other than Bradford's ten for ten the other night. But I mean, he's he's been good all three games. So Warner yeah. makes it. But I think they're going to try like heck to get Mostert. I think on onto their practice squad. Um, does somebody pick him up? I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, he certainly does. I mean, that sixty-eight yard kickoff return to start the game against the Packers. I mean, just eye-opening. His speed uh, is off the charts. He's made a little bit of a name for himself. Barner, obviously, like you guys have said, has pretty much earned his way onto the roster with the, with the play here in the preseason. Another guy, Elliot, that I, I keep hearing fans want to talk about, he had a nice game on Saturday against the Packers, one of Bradford's best throws, was Trey Burton. And now, you know, mm-hmm. Chip Kelly started the week by saying they hope and he thinks Selleck, um, not Selleck, Ertz will be back that opening game, but it's not a 100% definite. I mean, do you think that Trey Burton's going to play a bigger role this year, not only early in the season, but just in general in the passing game? He's see, I mean, he has a good skill set. Yeah, I mean, I would put the chances of Ertz playing week one in Atlanta like less than 5%. I mean, I, I think there's a very small chance he's out there. So, you know, when you look at the projection for the tight ends, I do think Burton is going to see the field a lot more this year. 
Now, the problem with that is Ertz has to see the field a ton too once he's healthy. So I, you know, I, I think Burton will have a, an increased role this year. Um, but when you talk about the tight end position, I mean, I was thinking they might keep four tight ends for a long time because of Ertz's health, and I thought Eric Tomlinson was playing well. And, and I'll throw this out to Mark. Um, you know, do you think there's any way they keep five running backs just for fear of losing most? I mean, I, I don't think they would, but I don't know. I'm sitting here starting to think if you're only going to keep three tight ends, you know, I've done rosters where I have them keep eight total running backs and tight ends. I mean, do you, do you keep Mostert? I don't know. I don't know if you can keep five running. I mean, not when you're three or so good. I mean, I mean they could. They, they obviously they could do anything they want. I mean, they, they may keep two if they go, if they only keep two quarterbacks, they certainly can. But yeah. if you go five running backs, you you have to go. Like I went four running backs, and I went light on the offensive line. So if you go five running backs, you're going to have to go light on. You know, not only on the offensive line, but somewhere else as well. And I only have three tight ends. Well, I didn't keep the fourth tight end. So, I mean, the question too is, I mean, Chip has said, you know, we're going to keep the best fifty-three guys, and obviously that's, you know, he has to take well, take into account depth and all that. But I don't know. I think they start to argue that most of it might be one of the top fifty-three. Is he better than Anaje Good? I don't know. I mean, that's it. That's what we're talking about. Is he better than Ed Reynolds? Is he better Probably than better than all their backup offensive linemen? I mean, you have to, but you can't keep six offensive no, linemen. No. <laughs> you still need bodies, you know. Yeah. Um, I, I think this is where the personnel department has to do their job. They have, there's ways of finding out what if Moster is what's he what's he thought of around the league. You, you know, you make some calls, you figure things out. People might lie, but you you have to know the risk of putting him out there. Yeah. And know whether you can get him back. Like last year, they knew. They couldn't cut Trey Burton. Somehow, some way, they knew if they cut Trey Burton, somebody was picking him up, and they wouldn't have gotten him to the practice squad. And that's why they and that's why they kept Trey Burton on the fifty-three. If they find out that yeah, the uh, Tennessee Titans love Raheem Mostert and they're going to sign him if they cut him, then maybe you do have to think longer and harder about keeping him. But if you're if you know that you can probably get him back, then you get him. Then then I think you take the you you take the chance and put him out there. Is there a number to you guys where if you add up the receivers, which it seems like there's the six locks, and then you go to the running backs, which we were talking three or four, Elliott throughout five, and then the tight ends, is there a number where it's like you could, you could keep 13 or 14 of those kind of skill position players? You know, based on what you guys have seen with this roster and with Chip and Mark, all your years of covering football, is there a number where it's, you get to a point you say there's too many of those, I can't have, you know, whatever, 16 skill position guys because right. it'll kill me somewhere else? Well, yeah, I mean, again, I, yeah, most – it used to be easy. It used, I mean, it used back in the day, every team did the same thing. Every team kept three quarters. I mean, you just knew it, and you it was easy to pick a 53 because, you know, you knew your five running backs wasn't un, unheard of back then. You know, but you only kept five receivers and three – sometimes only kept two tight ends. Um, you know, and then you kept more offensive linemen. Now you see teams doing – and every team does it differently now, so there is no set rule. And Kip Kelly – God knows he know he doesn't care. <laughs> he, he'll, he'll keep he'll do whatever he wants to do. He doesn't follow the rules at all. I mean, he kept four tight ends last year. Nobody keeps four tight ends. I shouldn't say nobody. Rarely does a team keep four tight ends. But like we said, they they were afraid or they knew they were going to lose Trey Burton and and they didn't want to lose a young guy like Trey Burton, knowing that they were they were probably only going to keep James Casey for another year. Um, so I mean, in my mind, I have the number around thirteen. I don't think you should go. I think thirteen. 
is a good number for total wide re- if you, if we had a wide receiver running back tight end i think they're unlucky number but but 13 is the number so 13 is it i mean that's going mean, it's going to be difficult for them to keep guys um, like Mostert on the roster and you keep a guy they like i would say again if you do then you have to be willing to cut a defense you know go thin on the defensive line or go thin on at linebacker i mean it's it's fifty. You know, it's like what what do you think's most? What's more important to you? And you know, they might do that. They could cut a they could cut a Brandon Bear, and maybe if if they if they think they they're they're going to lose Moster and only go with six defensive linemen. Let's jump to the defensive side of the ball as we wrap up episode five here, roster wise. As they try to get down to fifty three, Elliot. I mean, who are the names you're looking at? Who's going to be the most difficult decision? It seemed like the cuts to get down to seventy eight. Uh, and they're going to have a couple of guys that obviously will find their way into IR. But the cuts to get down where they had to be early this week, that was it wasn't that hard to project. Now, yeah, now the tough decisions are coming defensively. Who are the names you're looking at and kind of wondering what they're going to do? I mean, the easy answer, even though a lot of fans don't agree with me, is is Marcus Smith. I mean, I would put his chances of making the roster right now at like 51 percent. Like I think he's like right on that fence. And the reason he's such a tough decision is one, they have no depth at the position. I mean, you know, I think Vinnie Curry is one of their best players on defense, but he's not an outside linebacker full time at least. So, and the fact you even had to move him over speaks to that depth issue. So, one, you have no depth at, at Marcus Smith's position. And two, I mean, he was a first-round pick last year, just last year, and, I mean, I still see potential there. I still see, you know, he's a, an amazing athlete. He's, he's long. He's fast. So I still see the tools there. The question is, you know, he's never even shown anything. I mean, he had one good series against the Colts, and everyone was excited. And I remember talking about it on the podcast, and that really speaks to just how bad he's been that everyone's so excited about that. So to me, that's the hardest position, the hardest decision they have to make. And certainly complicates thing that he's things that he's injured and isn't playing against and against the Jets this week. Mark, how about for you defensively? Who's the name or two you're watching to see? You know what they do here and how they put this whole thing together. Well, yeah, I, I mean, I have to agree with Elliot on Marcus Smith. Although I don't, th- I didn't have him on my 53. I don't. I mean, Elliot says they don't have depth at outside linebacker. Well, Marcus, if you have Marcus Smith, you still don't have you still don't have depth at outside linebacker. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. I mean, what does he do? What does he when I think when they're sitting in that meeting at the last you know Kip and his personnel people and, and and Billy Davis and Dave Phipp and they're in there and they're talking about our, our last couple spots, who's going to stand up and say, well, we got to keep Marcus? Nobody. Billy doesn't. Billy's going to say, no, I need another corner. Phipp's going to say, I don't want him. He doesn't play special teams. I I want I want Coupling. He's good on special teams. I want I want you know Moster because he can. He's fast. I, no one's going to say I I want Marcus Smith. One guy that, that would say that isn't allowed in the meetings anymore. He's on the other side of the building. So that, that's not going to happen. Uh, what does he add to the team? And he's hurt again. That Kip hates that. I mean, when you ask Kip about almost anybody on the roster, I mean, I could ask him about, I don't know, Kip Smith. And he'd say, well, you know what? Kip did a good job. He bailed us out the other night against, you know, when Parky was hurt. Well, you ask about Marcus Smith, and you just get a, yeah, he's not practicing today. Yeah, he, he, he didn't show my like, just the, when the, just Chip's body language when he when he's asked about the guy screams volumes to me. I, I don't I think they're getting rid of him. I really do. That'd be quite the way to end this camp and to move forward to the regular season. The real the last straw, kind of the Howie Roseman. Uh, yeah, it would be. It would be a kind of a take that Howie. It would be. It would be. Thanks a lot for thanks for the memories, Howie. Well, I told Howie today when we were joking at, at practice, we were talking about this, and I said, you know, what we may never know who drafted Marcus Smith. 
but we'll know who released him. <laughs> we don't know how he got here, but we know how he's going to leave. He's going to leave pretty swiftly if this is it. All right, guys, this has been fun. Uh, this has been Episode 5 of our No Huddle Show on NJ.com. And next time we talk, Elliot and Mark, next time we do this and we record Episode 6, we will be getting ready uh, for the first game of the season, the first game of the regular season, the Eagles and the Falcons. So we've gone through camp here, and uh, we're getting close here to starting this thing up for real. Yeah, I mean, Atlanta's only 14 days away now, I think, so it's going to be good. And, I mean, will Tebow time continue? We're going to find out. Uh, we, we hope it does for the sake radio, of the podcast because it's always a big part of it. Like a radio tease right there. We'll, we'll, we will find out. <laughs> we will find out. You tune in next yeah. time, and we will find out. All right, everyone, uh, thank you thank for you. listening to Episode 5 of the No Huddle Show on NJ.com. Follow us on Twitter at Elliot Shore Parks, at Mark Eckel, and at Joe Gilio Sports. Remember to... Oh, hey. At Mark Echo 08. 08. excuse me, Mark Echo 08. There's a fake Mark Echo out there. Well, not a fake yeah. one, but there's somebody else that's named Mark Echo. That, probably that elevator guy. At the, at you know, the, we got we to gotta get rid of him. We're going to get him off Twitter. But Mark Echo 08, he's the real Mark Echo. At Elliot Shore Parks, at Mark Echo 08, at Joe Giglio Sports, and, of course, iTunes and Stitcher to subscribe to the No Huddle Show. Elliot, have yourself a good week. We'll do this again next week. Sounds good. Talk to you guys soon. All right, Mark. You take care, bud. All right, Thank you, everyone, for listening to the No Huddle Show.